Hey Life Group Leaders and Hosts, let's jump into our icebreaker for week nine. What is something other than the gospel you choose to defend? Just as Paul defended the gospel, there are other things in our lives that we choose to defend. This icebreaker question should be a fun way for you to discover both serious and silly things that your group members care about in addition to the gospel. Some may feel strongly about defending abortion or human rights, while others may have a slightly less serious need to defend their right on the highway. This conversation is meant to be brief and not cause tension for your group. Remind your group that this discussion is meant to simply break the ice and not intended to cause disunity among you. Life groups should be a place where we can talk about different opinions, but still keep the main thing, Jesus, the main thing. If you sense that your group would benefit from a different icebreaker altogether, please go ahead and find another question or activity that you believe would be better suited for your group. After your icebreaker, please go ahead and take a moment to pray and then jump in and read the passage. This week's is Galatians 2, 11 through 16. You can also present the first question, what stood out to you in this section of scripture or from Sunday's sermon. This is a great kind of catch-all question to get going and to give you a sense of what the Lord was doing in the hearts of your members uh, with relation to this sermon. Uh, then you can jump into the following question. So number two, what was the hypocrisy for which Paul rebuked Peter and how does hypocrisy hurt the church? So these questions allow your group to identify the reason that Paul rebuked Peter and also identify the specific harm that hypocrisy can do to the church. So Paul called Peter out in a very public way. Paul's desire was to defend the gospel and maintain the integrity of its practice. Peter, also a giant in the faith, made a mistake and caused harm to the church by acting in fear rather than in freedom. Jewish custom required someone to be circumcised to be a part of the faith community, and there were also dietary restrictions that they held to according to the law. Some Jews believed that if someone wanted to be saved, they would essentially have to become Jewish first by coming under the law and then accepting the grace of Christ. The belief that you essentially had to become a Jew to be a Christian was a false teaching that the apostles tried to combat, and Peter's actions in this case did not help their cause on this matter. Peter's hypocrisy was that in front of the Jewish leaders, he conformed to their beliefs and dietary restrictions as if he believed the false teaching that they espoused, even though he did not truly share their beliefs. He allowed the unjust practice of segregation of the menu and seating arrangements during meals among believing Jews and Gentiles. He did believe in the gospel, but his actions in this situation suggested a lapse in judgment, which caused for rebuke. Additionally, Peter's decisions moved Barnabas, the local pastor, to join in, causing confusion and misrepresentation of the gospel. So for these reasons, Paul rebuked Peter strongly and publicly. So hypocrisy, this is the second part of question two. How does hypocrisy hurt the church? Hypocrisy hurts the church in three main ways. And Pastor Nate, in his sermon, shared how we're to fly into a life of freedom by pursuing gospel-centered unity, motivation, and theology, which the, theology meaning the knowledge of justification by faith. Hypocrisy destroys these goals that we should have. For example, let's think about the opposite of what we're called to and how hypocrisy facilitates these things. First, hypocrisy facilitates disunity. 
Hypocrisy divides us, causing confusion and misrepresentation of the gospel, permitting a variety of incorrect interpretations and practices of the truth. Second, hypocrisy produces a wrong motivation. Hypocrisy is a product of the wrong motivations, revealing a selfish and wrongly motivated desire in one's heart. Hypocrisy produces plain and simple bad theology. Hypocrisy is the result of bad theology and incorrect understanding of Christ and the purity of the gospel. Hypocrisy quite plainly destroys the trust that people have in their leaders and friends. It's contrary to everything the Lord wants to do in our hearts, and it has no place in the church. What hypocrisy cannot do is take away the truth of the gospel. While one's testimony and witness is powerful to encourage others towards Christ, it is not powerful enough to undo the reality of Christ and his resurrection. Even though Peter made this mistake, and we make our mistakes, God's grace still abounds and his everlasting salvation will never fail. All the more, let us pray that we will be a people of integrity, ambassadors for Christ that embrace the power of his Holy Spirit and grace. So if you want to go deeper with this question, you could ask, what wisdom should you consider when rebuking a fellow believer? There are a few things that we can consider when offering a rebuke to a fellow believer. First, they must be a believer in order for you to hold them to the gospel. Non-believers are not bond servants of Christ, so they are not bound to the same expectations. While we would hope that they would come to a saving knowledge of Christ and other uh, their life would therefore reflect these um, moral values and behaviors that we share as believers. So while we would hope they would come to Christ, we should not expect them to conform to heavenly desires without a change of heart. Okay, so second, what what other wisdom should you consider when rebuking a fellow believer? You should also consider how the offense must be clear and contrary to the gospel. So for example, there may be a matter that seems disputable where intentions are unclear. Before a rebuke is offered, clarifying questions may need to be asked and answered to determine the full scope of the situation. Okay, third, we must consider the context of the offense. Paul rebuked Peter publicly because of the public display of his hypocrisy. So we must consider how the rebuke should be delivered and how the audience who witnessed it should be addressed. Above all else, believers should consult the Lord in prayer whenever they may be in a situation where rebuke is necessary. Finally, your group members may have other ideas about things we should think about before rebuking another Christian, so encourage them to share. You may also have the opportunity to ask for personal testimonies from people who have been in situations that required rebuke, and their experiences could be very valuable to the discussion. If you have your own example, please also feel free to share it. Question three, how do you act or think differently when motivated by fear versus freedom? So the goal of this question is to get us talking about how we act when we're motivated by fear, as well as how we might respond when motivated by freedom through Christ. So we talked about this last week. So this question may feel repetitive, but well, so if you feel your group covered this sufficiently last week, you can take extra time on the other questions. However, if you'd like to dive deeper into this discussion and revisit it a little bit, use this as an opportunity for your group to express their thoughts in this area of fear versus freedom. We can know intellectually the difference between fear motivated, being fear motivated uh, versus being freedom motivated. However, this 
Question provides a chance to challenge your group to truly consider the difference manifested in their lives when they walk in fear or in freedom. When we walk in fear, we're limited. We isolate ourselves from the truth and often others, making unhealthy choices that impact not only ourselves but those around us. 2 Timothy 1.7 says that God does not give us a fear but of spirit of fear, excuse me, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. It is in this freedom from fear that we should operate as believers. We can run toward the things God has for us without fear of failure, judgment, anxiety, or anything else, because we know that he is on our side. He has set us free. Practically speaking, we also act differently when we're motivated by freedom instead of fear. We treat others better with dignity and respect because we are free and not in bondage to sin. So we have no desire to oppress or distress anyone else because we are not experiencing these things ourselves. Praise the Lord. Okay, question four. How do you understand the meaning of being justified by faith? So the purpose of this question is have your group actually define and fully understand the beautiful truth of our justification through faith, at least uh, more fully understand than we do currently. So the Apostle Paul clearly states in this passage in verse 16 that we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So this statement is powerful because it gives us the reason for the freedom we have in Christ. Pastor Nate explains this well in his sermon notes when he says, God deposits Christ's righteousness into your account, which means he begins to see you just as he sees his son without error, without sin, and without guilt. Justification is a term used in legal terms to essentially describe winning one's case. When one is justified by the law, they are proven to be right or reasonable by that law and not condemned by that same law. What is so beautiful about our God is that he declares this justification over us. We cannot attain it on our own, but he makes it possible for us through the atonement of his son on the cross. To be justified by faith means that we are made righteous in the sight of God, which means we are not condemned to pay the penalty for our sins. What a glorious gift from our gracious God. So if you want to go deeper with this question, you would ask a follow-up one, which is this. How would you explain this gospel truth to someone else? The true testament to our learning and understanding something is being able to share it with somebody else. So encourage your group to think of someone that needs to hear this message and consider how they may present it to them. Especially when we have someone in mind, we can include specific examples or details in our message that are relatable to them, which can be so powerful. Okay, question five. This week, how can you pray or act in a way that will bless someone different than you? The goal for your group members with this question is to identify specific ways they can bless an individual or group of people who are different from them. Let's face it, it's easy and motivating to unite with others that share our interests or values. It's harder, however, to bless someone who is different than you. Like Jesus asked in his Sermon on the Mount, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do you not even pagans do that? This is found in Matthew 5, 46 and 47. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we are called to love our enemies and those around us with which we may not have a lot in common. However, when we seek the Lord and his righteousness first, 
all the things of his kingdom are added to us, including peace with our enemies through a motivated pursuit of unity and a deep understanding of our own justification through faith. Accepting these truths of the gospel grants us common ground we can stand on through which to bless others. Encourage your group to think about specific prayers or actions that will be a challenge, yet a blessing, to them and others this week. As needed, you could even set aside some time for group members to pray individually about this or discuss their answer with a partner next to them. Remind your group that it's with the power of the Holy Spirit that we are empowered and that we are equipped to follow his word. Be prepared with your own answer you can share to get things started. And be sure to pray for these things in your prayer time. So for this week's prayer focus, this is our prayer application for this week. Please pray for Calvary's ministry partner, World Relief. As they share God's love with refugees relocating to Modesto, California, from all over the world. This ministry is a perfect example of a way that we can love those who are different from us, reaching out to serve the vulnerable in our world and community. You can learn more about them at calvary.com outreach. And our leadership notes this week, uh, the title of our article is Leadership Considering Mental Health. So 1 Thessalonians 5.14 says, And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. It sounds so good. Of course, we want to help the idle to become industrious and the weak to be strengthened. Yet this powerful exhortation to us as believers requires us to take on a level of responsibility for others that may not be easy or natural for us to do. Someone who is disheartened, for example, may not be that much fun to hang around. However, it's our calling to sit with them in their situation and help them pray through it. Being patient with everyone means we must be long-suffering with anyone, especially those in our life groups. Identifying things like disruption or heartache in someone's life takes a level of personal relationship. Life groups provide us with this exact opportunity to speak into each other's lives. Some of our brothers and sisters in Christ struggle with mental health on various levels, and to meet our group members where they're at may require some heavy lifting and inconvenience at times. Yet, when we are obedient to serve God and His people, we are blessed to see His power unleashed in their lives and in our own. This is the work that God calls us to do, and we must pray that He will show us how to do it. Part of our training describes the three R's method of relating, revealing, and responding to your group member or members. As you prayerfully consider this approach in any situations you find yourself in, please remember you always have resources in your coaches, the life groups team, and the Calvary staff to support you. And we just have one leader host announcement this week. Uh, So just think about Thinking ahead, uh, we wanted to mention the week of Thanksgiving. Um, So think ahead to this week uh, during Thanksgiving. Will your group meet? If not, please consider offering a special encouragement to your group during that week as a way of pointing them to Jesus, even if you'll not be meeting together. If you are going to meet during the week of Thanksgiving, however, we will still be sending out a leader guide. So you can feel free to take this opportunity to continue our study and follow discussion questions you can also do something a little bit different with your groups maybe a praise and worship night a testimony night or a friends giving or something like that Uh, whatever the holy spirit prompts you to do we want to support you in that and we are grateful for your ministry uh, and the work you do in your life group so thanks so much and we'll see you again soon